Hello! I hope you've had a great day today. My name is Big Voice Jay, and this is Big Voice Jay's Bedtime Stories. The show where we get you ready for a great night's sleep by reading familiar stories set to relaxing music. Links to tonight's stories can be found in the show notes at bedtimewithbvj.com. Tonight's story, Federico's Falcon by Giovanni Boccaccio. There was once in Florence a young man named Federigo, the son of Messer Filippi, the son of Messer Filippo Alberighi, renowned above all other men in Tuscany for his prowess in arms and for his courtliness. As often happens to most gentlemen, he fell in love with a lady named Monica Giovanna. In her day, considered to be one of the most beautiful and one of the most charming women that ever there was in Florence. That ever there was in Florence, and in order to win her love, he participated in jousts and tournaments, organized and gave feasts, and spent his money without restraint, and spent his money without restraint. But she, no less virtuous than beautiful, cared little for these things done on her behalf, but she cared for him who did them. Now as Federigo was spending far beyond his means and was taking nothing in, as easily happens, he lost his wealth and became poor, with nothing but his little farm to his name, from whose revenues he lived very meagerly. And one falcon, which was among the best in the world, more in love than ever, but knowing that he would never be able to live the way he wished to in the city, he went to live at Campi, where his farm was. There he passed his time hawking whatever he could, asked nothing of anyone. There he passed the time hawking whenever he could, asked nothing of anyone, and endured his poverty plain. There he passed his time hawking whenever he could, asked nothing of anyone, and endured his poverty, and endured his poverty patiently. Now, during the time that Federigo was reduced in dire need, it happened that the husband of Mona Giovanna fell ill, and realizing death was near, he made his last will. He was very rich, and he made his son, who was growing up, his heir, and since he had loved Mona Giovanna very much, he made her his heir, should his son die without a legitimate heir, and then he died. Mona Giovanna was now a widow, and as is the custom among our women, she went to the country with her son to spend a year on one of her possessions very close by to Federigo's farm. And it happened that this young boy became friends with Federigo and began to enjoy birds and hunting dogs. And after he had seen Federigo's falcon fly many times, it pleased him so much that he very much wished it were his own. But he did not dare to ask for it, for he could see how dear it was to Federigo. And during this time, it happened that the young boy took ill, and his mother was much grieved, for he was her only child, and she loved him enormously. She would spend the entire day by his side, never ceasing to comfort him, and often asking him if there was anything he desired. 
begging him to tell her what it might be, for if it were possible to obtain it, she would certainly do everything possible to get it. After the young boy had heard her make this offer many times, he said, Mother, if you can arrange for me to have Federico's falcon, I think I will be well very soon. When the lady heard this, she was taken aback for a moment, and she began to think what she should do. She knew that Federigo had loved her for a long while, in spite of the fact that he never received a single glance from her. And so, she said to herself, How can I send or go and ask for this falcon of his, which is, as I have heard tell, the best that ever flew? And besides this, his only means of support. And how can I be so insensitive as to wish to take away from this gentleman the only pleasure which is left to him? And involved in these thoughts, knowing that she was certain to have... And involved in these thoughts, knowing that she was certain to have the bird if she asked for it, but not knowing what to say to her son, she stood there without answering him. Finally, the love she bore her son persuaded her that she should make him happy, and no matter what the consequences might be, she would not need she would not send for the bird, but rather go herself for it and bring it back to him. So she answered her son, My son, take comfort, and think only of getting well, for I promise that the first thing I shall do tomorrow morning is go for it and bring it back to you. The child was so happy that he showed some improvement that very day. The following morning, the lady, accompanied by another woman, as if going for a troll, went to Federigo's modest house and asked for him. Since it was not the season for it, Federigo had not been hawking for some days and was in his orchard, attending to certain tasks. When he heard that Mona Giovanna was asking for him at the door, he was very surprised and happy to run there. As she saw him coming, she greeted him with feminine charm, and once Federigo had welcomed her courteously, she said, Greetings, Federigo. Then she continued, I have come to compensate you for the harm you have suffered on my account by loving me more than you needed to. And the compensation is this. I, along with this companion of mine, intend to dine with you, a simple meal, this very day. To this, Federigo humbly replied, Madonna, I never remember having suffered any harm because of you. On the contrary, so much good have I received from you that if ever I have ever been worth anything, it is been because... <clears throat> it has been because of your merit and the love I bore for you, and your generous visit is certainly so dear to me that I would spend all over again that which I spent in the past. But you have come to a poor host. And having said this, he received her into his home humbly, and then from there he led her into his garden, and since he had no one there to keep her company, he said, my lady, since there is no one else, this good woman here, the wife of this workman, will keep you company while I go to set the table. Though he was very poor, Federigo, until now, 
had never before realized to what extent he had wasted his wealth. But this morning, the fact that he found nothing with which he could honor the lady for the love of whom he had once entertained countless men in the past gave him cause to reflect. In great anguish, he cursed himself and his fortune, and like a man beside himself, he started running here and there, but could find neither money nor a pawnable object. The hour was late, and his desire to honor the gracious lady was great, but not wishing to turn for help to others, not even to his own workmen, he set his eyes upon his good falcon, perched in a small room, and since he had nowhere else to turn, he took the bird, and finding it plump, decided that it would be a worthy food for such a lady. So without further thought, he wrung its neck, and quickly gave it to his servant girl to pluck, prepare, and place on a spit to be roasted with care. And when he had set the table with the widest of tablecloths, a few of which he still had left, he returned with a cheerful face to the lady in his garden, saying that he saying that the meal was able to saying that the meal he was able to prepare for her was ready. The lady and her companion Rose went to the table together with Frederigo, who waited upon them with the greatest devotion, and they ate the good falcon without knowing what it was they were eating. And having left the table and spent some time in pleasant conversation, the lady thought it time now to say what she had come to say. And so she spoke these kind words to Federigo. Federigo, if you recall your past life and my virtue, which you perhaps mistook for harshness and cruelty, I do not doubt at all that you will be amazed by my presumption when you hear what my main reason for coming here is. That, but if you had children, through whom you might have experienced the power of parental love, it seems certain to me that you would, at least in part, forgive me. But just as you have no child, I do have one, and I cannot escape the common laws of other mothers. The force of such laws compels me to follow them, against my own will and against good manners and duty, and to ask of you a gift which I know is most precious to you, and it is naturally so, since your extreme condition has left you no other delight, no other pleasure, no other consolation. And this gift is your falcon, which my son is so taken by that if I do not bring it to him, I fear his sickness will grow so much worse that I may lose him. And therefore I beg you not because of the love that you bear for me, which does not oblige you in the least, but because of your own nobility, which you have shown to be greater than that of all others in practicing courtliness, that you be pleased to give it to me, so that I may say that I have saved the life of my son by means of this gift, and because of it I have placed him, and because of it I have placed him in your debt forever. When he heard what the lady requested and knew that he could not oblige her, since he had given her the falcon to eat, Federigo began to weep in her presence, for he could not utter a word in reply. The lady at first thought his tears were caused more by the sorrow of having to part with the good falcon than by anything else, and she was on the verge of telling him she no longer wished it, 
but she held back and waited for Federigo's reply after he stopped weeping. And he said, My lady, ever since it pleased God for me to place my love in you, I have felt that fortune has been hostile to me in many things, and I have complained of her, but all this is nothing compared to what she has just done to me. And I must never be at peace with her again, thinking about how you have come here, to my poor home, where, while it was rich, you never deigned to come. You requested a small gift, and fortune worked to make it impossible for me to give it to you. And why this is so, I shall tell you briefly. When I heard that you, out of your kindness, wished to dine with me, I considered it fitting and right, taking into account your excellence and your worthiness, that I should honor you, according to my possibilities, with a more precious food than that which I usually serve to other people. Therefore, remembering the falcon that you requested and its value, I judged it a food worthy of you, and this very day you had it roasted and served to you as best I could. But seeing now that you desired it in another way, my sorrow is not being able to serve you is so great that I shall never be able to console myself again. And after he had said this, he laid the feathers, the feet, and the beak of the bird before her as proof. When the lady heard and saw this, she first reproached him for having killed such a falcon to serve as a meal to a woman. But then to herself, she commended the greatness of his spirit, which no poverty was able or would be able to diminish. Then, having lost all hope of getting the falcon, and perhaps because of this, of improving the health of her son as well, she thanked Federigo, both for the honor paid to her and for his good will, and she left in grief and returned to her son. To her mother's extreme sorrow, either because of his disappointment that he could not have the falcon, or because his illness must have necessarily led to it, the boy passed from this life only a few days later. After the period of her mourning and bitterness had passed, the lady was repeatedly urged by her brothers to remarry, since she was very rich and still young, and although she did not wish to do so, it became so insistent that she remembered the merits of Federigo and his last act of generosity. That is, to have killed such a falcon to do her honor. And she said to her brothers, I would prefer to remain a widow, if that would please you. But if you wish me to take a husband, you may rest assured that I shall take no man but Federigo Digli Alberighi. In answer to this, making fun of her, her brothers replied, You foolish woman, what are you saying? How can you want him? He hasn't a penny to his name. To this she replied, My brothers, I am well aware of what you say, but I would rather have a man who needs money than money that needs a man. Her brothers, seeing that she was determined and knowing Federigo to be of noble birth, 
no matter how poor he was, accepted her wishes and gave her in marriage to him with all her riches. When he found himself the husband of such a great lady, whom he had loved so much and was so wealthy besides, he managed his financial affairs with more prudence than in the past and lived with her happily the rest of his days. Well, isn't that something? A man loves a woman, spends all he has to try to get her attention, and then the woman doesn't give her the attention. Until one day after he spent everything. But he has his very last, and still loves her enough to give it to her. That's love, or rank stupidity. You should probably manage your money a bit better. You should probably go with Fidelity Investments. Enter BBJ in the subject line, and it will do absolutely nothing, because that doesn't make any sense. What does make sense is my gratitude. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing at BedtimeWithBBJ.com. Our next story, The Dog and the Bees by Ambrose Bierce. A dog being very much annoyed by bees ran quite accidentally into an empty barrel lying on the ground and looking out at the bunghole addressed his tormentors thus. Had you been temperate, stinging me only one at a time, you might have got a good deal of fun out of me. As it is, you have driven me into a secure retreat, for I can snap you up as fast as you come in through the bunghole. Learn from this folly of intemperate zeal. Learn from this folly of intemperate zeal. When he concluded, he awaited a reply. There wasn't any reply, for the bees had never gone near the bunghole. They went in the same way as he did, and it very warm for him. The lesson of this fable is that one cannot stick to his pure reason while quarreling with bees. Absolutely true! I can't tell you how much trouble I've gotten in with a bee or twelve or twenty-five. All I wanted was some delicious honey. Guess I'll just use Instacart. If they're near you, they deliver. You can get all kinds of grocery items, even honey. Enter BBJ in the subject line. Enter BBJ in the promo code and it will do absolutely nothing because this is not a sponsored read. Our next story, The Little Old Woman Who Lived in a Shoe by Joseph Martin Cronheim. The Little Old Woman Who Lived in a Shoe, oh, I'm sorry. Once upon a time, there was a little old woman who lived in a shoe. This shoe stood near a great forest and was so large that it served as a house for the old lady and all her children, of which she had so many that she did not know what to do with them. But the little old woman was very fond of her children, and they only thought of the best way to please her. Strongarm, the eldest, cut down trees for firewood. Peter made baskets of wicker work. 
Mark was chief gardener. Lizzie milked the cow, and Jenny taught the younger children to read. Now this little old woman has not always lived in a shoe. She and her family had once dwelt in a nice house covered with ivy, and her husband was a woodcutter, like Strongarm. But there lived in a but there lived in a huge castle beyond the forest a fierce giant, who one day came and laid their house in ruins with his club, after which he carried off the poor woodcutter to his castle beyond the forest. When the little old woman came home, her house was in ruins, and her husband was nowhere to be seen. Night came on, and as the father did not return, the old lady and her family went to search for him. When they came to that part of the wood where the giant had met their father, they saw an immense shoe. They spent a long time weeping and calling out for their father, but met with no reply. Then the old lady thought that they had better take shelter in the shoe until they could build a new house. So Peter and Strongarm put a roof to it and cut a door and turned it into a dwelling. Here they all lived happily for many years, but the little old lady never forgot her husband and his sad fate. Strongarm, who saw how wretched his mother often was about it, proposed to the next eleven brothers that they should go with him and set their father free from and set their father free from the giant. Their mother knew the giant's strength and would not hear of their attempt, as she feared they would be killed. But Strongarm was not afraid. He bought a dozen sharp swords, and Peter made as many strong shields and helmets, as well as crossbows and iron-headed arrows. They were now quite ready. Strongarm gave the order to march, and they started for the forest. The next day they came in sight of the giant's castle. Strongarm, leaving his brothers in a wood close by, strode boldly up to the entrance and seized the knocker. The door was opened by a funny little boy with a large head, who kept grinning and laughing. Strongarm then walked boldly across the courtyard, and presently met a page who took off his hat and asked him what he wanted. Strongarm said he had come to liberate his father, who was kept a prisoner by the giant. On this the little man said he was sorry for him, because the part of the castle in which his father was kept by Lo- because the part of the castle in which his father was kept was guarded by a large dragon. Strongarm, nothing daunted, soon found the monster who was fast asleep, so he made short work of him by sending his sword right to his heart, at which he jumped up, uttering a loud scream, and made it and made as if he would spring forward and seize Strongarm. But the good sword had done its work, and the monster fell heavily on the ground, dead. Now the giant, who had been drinking much wine, was fast asleep in a remote part of the castle. Strongarm had no sooner finished the dragon than upstarted the funny little boy who had opened the door. He led Strongarm round to another part of the courtyard, where he saw his poor father, who at once sprang to his feet and embraced him. Then Strongarm called up his brothers, and when they had embraced their father, they soon broke his chain and set him free. We must now return to the little old woman. After her sons had started, 
she gave way to the most bitter grief. While she was in this state, an old witch came up to her and said she would help her as she hated the giant and wished to kill him. The old witch then took the little old lady on her broom and they sailed off through the air straight to the giant's castle. Now this old witch had great power and at once afflicted the giant with corns and tender feet. When he awoke from his sleep, he was in such pain that he could bear it no longer. So he thought he would go in search of his missing shoe, which, like the other one he had in his castle, was easy and large for his foot. When he came to the spot where the little old lady and her children lived, he saw his old shoe, and with a laugh that shook the trees, he thrust his foot into it, breaking through the roof that Strongarm and Peter had put to it. The children, in great alarm, rushed about inside the shoe, and frightened and trembling, scrambled through the door and the slits which the giant had formerly made for his corns. By this time, the witch and the little old lady, as also Strongarm, his eleven brothers and little and his fa- his eleven brothers and his father, were come up in the spot. Were come up to the spot. Strongarm and his brothers shot their arrows at him, till at last he fell wounded. When Strongarm went up to him and cut off his head, then the father and the little old woman. And all their children built a new house and lived happily ever afterwards. The moral of the story is don't destroy other people's property. You might get your head cut off. Or you might befriend a wit. And you don't want that. That's not good for anybody. What is good for everybody is a great review that you'll leave on iTunes. Apparently, it helps the algorithms do what algorithms do. And if you have a story to read, you can email me, bigvoicej at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)